0: Hi, everyone. My name is Job. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Remote, where we are reimagining how the world works and lives. And this is Remote Talks, the show where we interview top minds in remote work and global employment. In this second episode, we welcome distributed consulting CEO, Laurel Fair, also known as the queen of remote work. Uh, And in this episode, Laurel and I discuss team dynamics across multiple cultures, effective remote onboarding tactics, and the secrets to leading a distributed team with empathy. Enjoy. Like the way I think about this is right. Like, if talking about diversity and inclusion, is that if you start a remote company, you have the unique opportunity to build a diverse team, because if you hire from anywhere and you do a relatively job of doing so somewhat uh, equally across the world, aren't you just going to end up with a diverse team? That's my theory, uh, and, and uh, at least before before I get you to say all sorts of things about how that's not true, we tried <laughs> this. Uh, so at remote, we tried to do a good job of just saying, oh, you can work from wherever you want to work, and um, we will hire the best person we could find. We make sure to like check our biases when hiring, and what we see. So yeah, we actually have a quite well diverse team uh, in every sense of the way. I think in, in terms of where people live, where people are from, in terms of gender diversity and age diversity and race diversity. So I think, I mean, I like to take ourselves as, a, as, as the proof that it is possible, although we're still a small company with about 50 employees. I'd love to hear what you think about this. How do, how, how do remote and diversity and inclusion play together?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, you're spot on. I, I amen and hallelujah to everything that you're saying, because yes, absolutely. Naturally, there's going to be a higher level of diversity just for the fact that you are not recruiting from the same, you know, 20 mile radius to your office because geographic areas include a certain level of sameness um, of all of the people in that area. You know, people live there because they like the same weather, they live in the same culture, they have exposure to the same news cycles, they, um, you know, share similar stories and bonding experiences that have happened in the area. I mean, there's just so much homogeneous experiences in a culture that unite them together, even though there is diversity within that local area. So even just for the fact of hiring from somewhere outside of your local city or or county, you're going to automatically increase diversity of perspective. But then the next level is when you start to do this with intention and you start to say okay what perspectives do we want to bring to our team what perspectives and experiences do we want to plug into our production cycles and operations and that's where it really becomes not only a benefit but a strategy for the growth and development of your company and it's i agree with you it's one of the most underutilized techniques of distributed companies I mean, when we're opening it up and saying anybody can hire from anywhere, that's great for expanding our talent pool. But if we're not really thinking deeply about who we're trying to reach, not just uh, quantity, but quality of the candidates that are applying, then we're missing out on an opportunity, I think.
0: And so I mean, you mentioned already that's being underutilized, but what do you see you talk with companies far greater than than, than the company I run uh, what What do you see there
1: um, I think that the talent acquisition funnel needs to be very, very strongly adapted for this so often when companies start to go remote, they see a massive spike in application rates to an average about 3000% increase in applications. And that was prior to COVID. Um, So they're certainly reaching that volume of of talent and that's great. Um, But that's only quantity, that's not quality. So what we try to help them do is identify who are you trying to reach and helping them zero into specific talent pools for that region uh, or reason. So, you know, are you trying to reach your target market? Let's, try to attract that, you know, suburban housewife that you're trying to market your product to? Let's go hire one of them. Or are you trying to reach inner city youth um, uh, from um, underprivileged backgrounds? Let's go hire one of them. Like let's target those regions. Or maybe there are specific talent pools in certain universities or certain countries that make it more relevant to your product or to your hiring goals. Let's hire from those regions. So it's not just hiring from anywhere, it's hiring from very specific places because you can hire from there instead of your local city.
0: Yeah, it's a very interesting idea. I never really thought of it like hiring from a very specific place. Uh, Wouldn't you then end up uh, following the same biases that you've had before, even through selection of the place where you would hire?
1: You know, I think the entire conversation about diversity and inclusion is a very slippery slope, (laughs) no matter what, right? Like it's always a slippery slope, but especially in remote work, like we've seen this massive explosion of people being discriminated against because they're in their home and they're seeing their personal lives to a higher level. And, and, um, so there's this, this amazingly delicate dichotomy in which we have this opportunity to increase diversity and inclusion and strengthen it to an unprecedented level. Um, But then at the same time, we also have the risk and danger of discriminating more than we ever have in the history of business at the exact same time. So there's a lot of very careful uh, strategy and innovation and critical thinking that needs to go into this topic
0: so let's try to not go down the slippery slope too much <laughs> I, I think yeah. uh i i sp- i spoke with Ayo, uh roxen last week uh we 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 went into this a little bit we went a little bit further down the slippery slope so um let's let's switch to onboarding like let's say that you um you are actually building one of these these teams which is um from all over the world or or well distributed or you know maybe from a specific region like you suggested um is there, do we have to think differently about how we uh, bring people on? Is there some different considerations that we have to make when when onboarding them?
1: Uh, well, absolutely. Well, you tell me first. I'm doing so much talking. So you uh, tell me what you love about the onboarding programs that you've designed and that you've been a, a part of. Like, What are your favorite parts that you think have worked very well and have been specific to remote work?
0: Yeah, I think... So specific to remote work, I think the secret is to make sure people get to talk to a lot of other people. And I think the beauty of remote work is that the distance between everybody is the same. It's, you know, one slack message away. Um, so I think for what, what always helped me and helped the people in the teams that I were was in was to just, just talk with everybody. Like that's like, it's so simple, but it really works. It's to just have one-on-one calls with a large part of the team, everybody if you're small, but as the, as, the, as the organization grows with at least one person in every department. So you start to form connections throughout the organization and uh, just do that for literally everybody that joins the company independent of where they are, if they are in leadership or if they are an individual contributor, just make sure they talk with, with a whole bunch of people throughout the organization. That's that's a really simple and powerful trick, and then in everything else, I think as a remote organization should already be working on you know activities that help bonding and that help you know make sure people get to know each other uh, and just roll those people up into that. Um, I think that really like anything we do, and we do lots of things, but I think that is the most important thing. And to me, if you're talking about like, well, we're building this distributed team with people in all sorts of regions of the world from all sorts of different cultures, uh, that works for everybody. There's like no difference in that. As long as everybody in the organization is a nice person, is a kind person that can acknowledge that there's cultural differences, that there's, you know, that most of us are speaking our second or third language and other, our our, our native language, um, then that works extremely well. Like I, I really, I think there's, to me, it's one of the greatest enjoyments to learn from people around the world, like what, what is, you know, uh, to learn about the cultures, about the things that they like, they don't like, what is weird, what is special. I, lo- I-, I love that, like, it always ends up talking about food, which we do. <laughs> all the time with the remote.
1: Yeah, we don't we don't eat it together anymore, but we certainly talk about it all the yeah,
0: time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's really great. And you and we have, have like, a whole
1: food channel on Slack Yeah, like, yeah we, I we think share everybody recipes. has one. Yeah. I know, it's and amazing. it's very awful.
0: You always have the same three colleagues that like are amazing cooks and they're just making you all feel very bad about your <laughs> poor cooking skills. It's but so true. That's uh, that's it to me. You know, I I really find it very easy to to do this as long as everybody acknowledges like the obvious, which is we're not all speaking the same language and we don't all have the same background. And that's the the, the best part of this. Which sounds so cheesy, but it works so well if you just talk with each other.
1: So exactly I don't know. there's so I much I went off un- the rails, but yeah. no but it's true. But it helps you, I think, come together as a group when often when you're in a group where there is so much I don't want to say unity, but sameness, right? Homogeneity, homogeneity, sameness. <laughs> sameness, <laughs> sameness. Um, Yeah. When there is, everybody's the same, then it's like, okay, you forget. Uh, what, how do I say this? You get so caught up in trying to define what makes you different that you start to pull apart from each other um, because there's so much that you all have in common that you have to create your identity by showing what you have that's different. However, when you have a team that's so different, you pull together because you're trying to find what you have in common because that's the rare element. And so it really builds culture, the more diverse that you are. And it is, it's so ironic I think when companies ask us you know how how in the world do we onboard people like we're not going to have the opportunity to mentor they're not going to be able to, to talk to people they're not going to be able to do any of those things and it's like says who? Like, wait, what? Uh, No, that's, they absolutely still need to have those experiences of meeting the executives and meeting their team members and observing meetings and, and having mentorship calls and completing paperwork and completing training. Like all of that still happens. It's just happening in a different place and in a different channel, which can be more effective, but like all things with remote, it's got to come in with intention, you've got to have this very carefully designed program that facilitates those experiences. It's not going to happen quite as organically and naturally as it has been in the office. But the thing is, it didn't happen organically and naturally before either. All of the onboarding programs that we're used to now had to be carefully and de- designed with intention. There was years of of trial and error and identifying that people feel felt disconnected, and so they thought of a solution like th- that came from literally hundreds of years of evolution of business and co-located work and so now we're just going through the same adaptation of how do we take all of the lessons that we learned then and apply them to new channels um, and and I think that's what people get caught up in is that communication channel because so much of how we're learning in a co-located environment is through observation we're just watching things happen and that is a mode of communication but in a distributed environment you don't have access to that channel so you have to go to a different channel and that's why that you see you know more handbooks and more videos and and um, resources like that because they're just communicating the same things through different channels. Like I'm going to articulate what our culture is, as opposed to you watching what the culture is. I'm going to, um, you know, design a learning experience instead of you watching somebody else do it. Like it's, it's the same process. It's just different channels.
0: I I actually think that the the whole evolution of office didn't lead to very many places, the places where I've worked and the places that were in an office and, The places where I hear other people have worked that were in an office were all the same which is there was no process and you just dropped in and like if you don't know something you ask (laughs) and now now we're being asked to think about what we're doing and to think about how onboarding works and 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 yeah it's yes you have to think about it you have to be intentional about it rather than uh, just throwing someone in a room and again, telling them, well, if you have any questions, ask someone or ask someone that walks by or, you know, walk over to Sandy from HR because she has all the answers. Like, that's, that's not that's not how it works anymore. Uh, we actually have to think about things because otherwise people feel lost. And yeah, it's I, I I think about how we do things at remote, and I I, I got a really nice feedback from one of my colleagues the other day. He said, you know, um, it was so nice that uh, Kia, who is one of the people working with us, um, Kia sent me a message uh, like, oh, it's now been a month since you've worked here. How are you? Do you feel like you got to know a lot of people? And such so, and you know, it's 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 that it's that little thing Kia that just sends an email to every person if they you know work for us for a month but she thought about that and she was like she implemented that and it's it's so low stakes to make people happy to 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 give people a feeling like oh they really care about me here uh because all all she did was send a single email asking if everything was okay if the person needed anything else um i just don't yeah. i don't i don't think the office was that great
1: <laughs> like, absolutely yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> that's we, obvious. Man. we have a biased opinion, <laughs> I I agree with you. But I mean, that's the thing, though, is there is nowhere to hide in company culture, yeah. right? Like you can't f- fall behind the default of, well, we spend eight hours a day together in the same room and in the same building. Of course, we're a unified team. Um, but then when everybody's suddenly independent, then there, it just holds this mirror up to say, whoa, Are we actually unified? Do we care about each other? Do we see each other? Do we, like, are we actually streamlined and and dependent on each other as a team? And some companies saw good things when that mirror was held up and some companies did not. And uh, so yeah, in, in distributed work environments, there's no room to hide you if you say you have a culture of empathy and trust and connection and communication you have to do those things Um, because if it's just like with our um, with our assignments and our tasks right this is results-based work environment that's how we see productivity and that's how we see culture too is if we are actually implementing these values in our teams and facilitating effective communication and giving feedback with trust and empathy, you see that, you feel that, you engage with that on a daily basis, as opposed to just having a poster on the wall that says, we trust you and we value your opinion. And then you go to your supervisor and say, I have an idea. And they say, that's not your place, go away. You know, (laughs) which we've all experienced. And it's like, wait a second, the poster says something very different than what you're saying right now.
0: uh, Going back a little bit to the international thing, do you think the the considerations are different given that we have more international workers? Do people, you know, leaders of HR departments have to think more about, you know, how how does this work for everybody around the world other than the fact that, you know, we are remote?
1: Yeah, absolutely. This is, you know, there was a big uh, wave in the early 90s when travel was suddenly... Affordable enough for um, globalization and international business to really come to fruition. And so there was a big wave of training. Uh, I think it was just called global culture training, but where there would be this very formal experience where somebody would come in um, you know, to your corporate office and say, okay, you're about to go on a business trip to Japan and here are the customs that you need to know about before you go there so that you don't offend and that you respect their culture. And I absolutely think that there is a space, if not a need for that same thing to start happening now because we are trying to blend so many different cultures at the same time and there's little nuances that happen like okay we're celebrating an American holiday but do I take the day off if it's a local holiday for me if it and it's a local holiday for you that's that's a lot of days off for a lot of different countries right so there's like that thing there's the whole time zone thing and then there's um you know and then there's cultural things like uh you know in india shared family homes are a really big deal and so if a company is saying you have to have this quiet environment uh to be working in video calls that's not super realistic for that that area and then there's other countries like um you know mexico and south america where you know the the concept of having a really strong company culture is very touchy feely and that's not really important to them. And so they're, you know, to spend a lot of time doing parties and interpersonal bonding, maybe they're not going to value that as an, as a contributor. So yeah, there's a lot of different elements that need to be taken into consideration, which I think also comes back to that concept of geo-targeting during your talent acquisition of, I mean, yes, find the best talent wherever it is, but make sure that you're sensitive to the talent that you are recruiting to identify culture match in the beginning and make sure that their their community cultural expectations also match your company cultural expectations.
0: Yeah, that's, that's very interesting. I, I I was thinking about how, how, how do I deal with that? How do our I customers deal with that? And I think the answer is not. I think, I think we don't deal with it in any particular way. I think other than just, you know, I think it's, I I think it's good for organization to express, this is your workplace. And these are your expectations about how you do work. And then what we do beyond that, you know, we do our best to strengthen the organization. It's important that you know, the people that you work with, but, you know, none of the other things are mandatory and you have the freedom to work and not work the way you want to do it. And I, I think that's how we do it. And I think that's how many of uh, many of the, the companies that we work with do it in the sense of like, we're basically agnostic of it. And we, mm-hmm. we also don't force you to do anything. Uh, but it is certainly interesting. And the, the, I think the easiest example that you already gave was the, around the, the holidays. Like what holidays do we take off? Is that a, is that a thing? Are we going to do it company-wide? Um, we solved it by just saying, you can take as many days off whenever you want as a company, we don't observe any public holidays. It doesn't make sense for us. Like our team is in, I don't know, seventeen different countries, twenty different countries. I don't, I don't even know. Um, and our customers are in every country in the world. We we don't observe any uh, observe any any holidays. And then whatever you want to take off, you know, probably near the end of the year, it will be very quiet, like in most other companies. Um, but you know it was so was it in the middle of the summer as well for a week or two so yeah it's it's very interesting and it it's challenging and i and i think i think this is a valid conversation to have because yeah you come from a, from everybody comes from a place where it's well we are in i don't know new york and so these are the holidays we have in new york <laughs> like if you have other ones you will have to ask the day off even it doesn't matter doesn't matter where you're from like we don't we don't celebrate uh, to give a Dutch holiday, Sinterklaas, on December 5th, which in the Netherlands, it's not a public holiday, but should, totally should be because it's great um, <laughs> to get into that some other time.
1: <laughs> so, this begs the question for me um, is that in a lot of distributed companies, we see this need for a head of remote role, right? Mm. Somebody that is thinking about exclusively about this. And I have a strong belief in the power of, of having. Ahead head of remote. I think it's great, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that, especially in, in the, the relationship that you have with your clients of this long-term monitoring and compliance and payroll that do you think that companies should have a head of remote role or some type of specific designation to their HR departments? That's like somebody needs to be thinking about this full time.
0: Yeah, I think I think we have the head of remote today because HR departments are just, they're just not used to the fact because it is their job, I think, right? Like, I think it, this should be part of what HR is and HR has to get comfortable with remote work because it is the new work. So like study it and get yeah. into yeah. that. Like, you got a lot if, of
1: learning to do. <laughs>
0: if you're the head of HR, you're the head of remote. Like, so that's basically yeah. how I I think... But besides that, I think there's a little bit maybe more to it, which is uh, not said yet, which is with remote work and us working distributed, you have to start thinking explicitly and like working explicitly on your company, your company's culture and everything that comes with it, the way you do work, where you do work, who does work, these kind of things that we are discussing. And that's something we haven't done before. So in a sense, you're almost assigning a product manager to the product of the company, of the company culture, as it were, and I think there's good reason to make that explicit and have someone do that for that reason. Um, so yeah, I I wouldn't necessarily urge everybody to hire a head of remote, but I think it's extremely important that you essentially fulfill the the functions that this person would would have, which is work on a company culture, think about the challenges that come with distributed work and. Having people all over the world and multiple time zones, and you know whether you're working asynchronously or not. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, yeah I think it's difficult.
1: <laughs> it is. I think that's really interesting because, yeah, it, ideally, yes, your head, your HR should be ahead of remote, but so should your CTO, so should your B- COO, yeah. so should your CEO. E- e- like everybody is going to be impacted by this change, and so ideally, the executive team should not be offloading this to some scapegoat and saying, oh, this is your problem, right? They yeah. should, it, you're right. It should be a temporary solution to help everybody with the change management and get into the habit of thinking about their entire team with a remote, work, remote first mindset. Um, but then eventually the executive team is strong enough to just do that on their own.
0: I think that's, uh, that's a good note to, to end on, uh, Laura. I,
1: I think it's perfect. It's food for thought for all of us. Well, thank okay. you for a great discussion as always.
0: Likewise. Thanks, Laura.